Let's pray. We'll ask God for his help. A gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look now at your word. We pray that we will understand it and you pray that you help us to live in the light of who we are in Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. My father-in-law came to Australia in the 1950s. His name is Raffaele. He came from the country of Italy. And he lives in Australia as a foreigner. Uh, to this day, Raffaella does not have Australian citizenship. He's an Italian citizen residing in Australia, permanent resident. Now, as a foreigner here in Australia, there are things about Raffaella that are different from people who were born and raised here. Uh, Raffaella speaks differently from people who were born and raised here. He mostly speaks the language of Italian. Uh, if he does speak in English, he speaks with a very strong accent. In fact, when my father-in-law first came to Australia, they put him on a train and sent him up to the north coast of New South Wales to work on the sugarcane farms. And uh, as he got onto the train, he saw a sign. It said, be careful, it is dangaroos. Now, he'd heard of kangaroos, but not of these scary dangaroos. He spent the whole trip stressed and anxious that he would be attacked by a vicious dangaroo. Uh, he also saw signs everywhere which said S-A-L-E. Uh, sale, the Italian word for salt. Could not understand why every shop in Australia advertises that it sells salt. Uh, Raffaele speaks differently. Raffaella also acts differently from many Australians. He doesn't follow the NRL, he doesn't follow the AFL, doesn't even follow Australian soccer. He, he follows the Serie A. He supports the Italian soccer team. He likes Italian TV, Italian music. Raffaella also, he also eats different food from Australians. He acts differently in that way. For Raffaella, it's pasta pretty much every day. Occasionally risotto, but basically pasta every day with, with tomato sauce that they make themselves. Uh, maybe accompanied with some homemade salami as well. Uh, Raffaele likes some foods that may seem quite strange. He likes to eat goat. Uh, he loves to eat offal. He loves brains, just like, just like Brian. He, he loves kidneys <laughs> and, uh, and livers and intestines. Uh, he especially likes to eat, this is his favourite, he likes to eat... Gelatinous pig's head. <laughs> Raffaella speaks differently. He acts differently. He also has different priorities. When he came to Australia, Raffaella did not hang around with the Aussies down at the pub. He didn't go to the races. He didn't go to the footy. No, no, because he had, he had different aspirations, different dreams. Like many foreigners in Australia, like many of our parents, he, he, he worked hard, he saved, found a wife, bought a house, had a baby and hassled and pushed her until she graduated from uni as a lawyer. <laughs> Raffaele speaks differently, he acts differently, he has different priorities and, and sadly it's also true that Raffaele has suffered for being a foreigner. Like many Italians in Australia, Raffaele was called a wog. He was called a dago. He was exploited by bosses who exploited the fact that he didn't have enough English to be able to read contracts and so on. He was alienated. He was mistreated. He was told that his food stunk. It wasn't easy being a foreigner. 
Now, I know many people here at Chatsworth Presbyterian Church have had similar experiences. Uh, how did you go with the introductory question in Bible study this week? We, we had a fascinating discussion, people coming from all over the world, and many people in our Bible study felt to a greater or lesser degree that they're a foreigner here in Australia. In fact, I think the only one who really felt Australian was Casey, who's about fourth generation Australian. Um, <laughs> Today we start a new series, and it's a, a series in this first letter of Peter. And as the title suggests, uh, this letter is written by a man called Peter. Although some of you may know that's not his real name, is it? There was a nickname that uh, Jesus gave to him that means rock. His parents gave him the name Simon. But, but here he introduces himself, identifies himself as Peter, and he calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now that, that means that he is an an authorised and true messenger sent by Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, have a look with me. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, this Peter is the same Peter that you read about in the Gospels. He's one of the first disciples that Jesus called, one of Jesus' closest personal friends. He is an amazing man in the history of the Christian church, Peter. He spent something like three years with Jesus. He, he saw the miracles that we read about with his own eyes. He, he heard the teaching that we read about with his own ears. He was one of the first people to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. He knew firsthand that Jesus died on the cross. He, he personally visited Jesus' empty tomb. And then he saw Jesus alive again with his own eyes. The resurrected Jesus personally commissioned Peter to look after his people. On the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who first preached that Jesus had died and risen again for our salvation. It was then Peter who was the first man to bring the good news about Jesus to non-Jewish people. Peter certainly had his flaws spectacularly failed on more than one occasion. But in Peter, we have incredibly close access to the real historical Jesus. And in Peter, we have a man commissioned by Jesus, commissioned to teach us the truth about Jesus. Friends, this is a letter we should read. And it is a letter that we should treat as very special. We should treat this as a letter personally authorised by Jesus. This, this, this letter is the very word of God to us. Okay, a letter from the Apostle Peter. Next thing Peter does, he addresses his readers. And he describes them, he describes them in two important ways. Uh, first, first he calls them God's elect. Now the word elect means chosen. Like we elect a politician, we choose them. Peter is saying that his readers have been chosen by God and, in context, chosen by God to be his people. When I say in context, Peter's referring to the Old Testament here. In the Old Testament, God elected Israel. He chose Israel. He chose them to be his special people. They were his elect. So Peter's picking up on that image and applying it to Christian readers. Still in verse 1. To God's elect... Peter talks more about what this election entails in verse 2. Uh, first he says that his readers have been chosen because of the 
foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, people get all upset by this idea of God foreknowing things and planning stuff and so on. But what's interesting is that this, this knowledge that's being talked about, it's not knowledge of things that will happen. It's, it's a personal knowledge. Uh, for God to know a person in the Bible means that he knows them relationally. But here, the idea, and it's a stunning idea, the idea is that God knew Peter's readers, God knew these Christians in advance. Before they were even made, God had a relationship with them. He he already loved them. And he'd already decided to make them his chosen special people. Verse 2. God's elect who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Around about the end of the year 1999, beginning of the year 2000, Carmelina and I decided, after seven years of marriage, that uh, we would have a baby. Uh, We read all kinds of books. We went shopping for prams and cots and nappies and all that sort of stuff. Now, as as humans, we we didn't know Joel personally before he was born, but he was already in our plans, he was in our dreams, he was in our hopes. We, we, we prepared for him in advance, we prepared to welcome him into the family. There's a sense in which, even before he was born, we already loved him. Even before he was born, we were ready to welcome him into our family. Peter says, God the Father chose his readers because he already knew and loved them. Even before they were made was part of his eternal plan. Peter then talks about the means by which God made them his people. He says it was through the work of God's Holy Spirit. Peter says that God's Holy Spirit sanctified them. Now the word sanctified means uh, to set apart as your own, to kind of claim it as your own. Um, Like I pulled this Bible off the shelf. This is uh, my Bible. And you'll tell because if you open to the page two, you will see... that it has Carmelina's name on it. That wrecks the illustration completely. Um, uh, what it's doing on my shelf, I don't know. Uh, but this has got Carmelina's name on it. It belongs to her. It's sanctified to her. The Holy Spirit sanctified Peter's readers. They belong to God. They are his own. How does the Spirit do it? How does he sanctify people? Well, we know from the rest of the Bible... From start to finish, it's the work of the, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates people. He, he takes them from spiritual death to spiritual life. He makes us born again, to use Jesus' expression. Uh, the Holy Spirit enables us to call on Jesus as our Lord. The Holy Spirit enables us to know that God is our Father. The Holy Spirit gifts us to play a role in Jesus' church. The Holy Spirit uh, bears fruit in us so that we turn from sin and grow in godliness. And at the last day, the Holy Spirit will resurrect us and transform us and give us new and eternal life. How does God choose us and make us his people? Answer, from start to finish, it is the work of his Holy Spirit setting us apart to be God's people. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 again. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Chosen by the Father who always loved them through the work of the Spirit who set them apart. And now Peter tells his readers what they've been chosen and set apart for. He says it is to obey Jesus and be sprinkled by his blood. 
Verse 2 again. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Strange expression, isn't it? Uh, But did you notice our first reading this morning from Exodus chapter 24? Again, this is a reference to the Old Testament. Uh, When God rescued Israel out of Egypt and, and made them his people, he made what's called a covenant with them. A covenant is like a a pact or or a deal, and it's it's based on a promise. So God promised, uh, Israel, I will love you, I will bless you in my land as my special people. And and he told them what they needed to do as part of this covenant. They needed to obey his law. As we read this morning, they agreed to the deal. We will obey, they said. And then to seal the deal, Moses sacrificed an animal and he sprinkled blood onto the people. Very vivid ceremony. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. So what Peter's done, he's taken this Old Testament image from God's covenant with Israel and he's applying it now to his Christian readers. But did you notice that he's also made some changes? Now the blood now, it's not the blood of an animal, is it? now the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. We are sprinkled with his blood. It is, it's Jesus' death on the cross that seals the deal, that confirms the covenant, that, that, that establishes us in our place in God's people. And, and notice obedience now, it's not to God's Old Testament law. We're not under the law anymore. No, no, now we obey our risen king. We're set apart, what does it say? To be obedient to Jesus Christ. Friends, what Peter says about his readers here, it's it's actually pretty stunning, don't you reckon? God the Father, God the Spirit and God the Son have combined to, to, to bring them into the family. God the Father has always loved them. God the Spirit has set them apart. God the Son has died and risen again to be their saviour and king, to seal them as God's people. They now have a new citizenship. They belong in the people of God, an amazing privilege. I know there are people here who have become citizens of Australia. It's not an easy process. You filled out all the forms, you waded through the bureaucracy, you answered the exam questions about Vegemite and Don Bradman or whatever it was, you, you, you waited for years and years until finally you had your ceremony. I'm sure for you that was a big deal. You see people openly weeping at their citizenship ceremony and it is a big privilege to be an Australian citizen. What a blessing to live in this country. There is a lot to like about Australia. But friends, here's an infinitely greater privilege. To be a citizen of God's kingdom through the love of the Father, through the love of the Son, through the love of the Spirit to be a citizen of the people of God. Okay, well, that's the first thing that Peter says about his readers. These Christians are God's chosen people. Uh, But Peter does say one other thing about them. It's an interesting contrast. He says that they are exiles. uh, The word is literally foreigners. 
And he says they've been scattered. Uh, the word is the word diaspora. They've been dispersed. They've been dispersed away from their home through a number of areas in what is now the country of Turkey. Come back to chapter 1 and verse 1. Chapter 1 and verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, uh, exiles scattered, dispersed, throughout the provinces of these places in Turkey, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. Now, it's quite possible that what Peter says here has a very literal meaning. Uh, some scholars believe that the people Peter is writing to had been living in Rome, that's how he got to know them, but then they were exiled from Rome to these places in Turkey. So around about this time, the Roman, Empire was, uh, the Roman emperor was a man uh, by the name of Claudius. He ruled AD 41 to 54. And on a number of occasions, Claudius is documented as throwing the Jews and the Christians out of Rome. And in fact, he's documented as sending them as exiles uh, to these specific places that, that are mentioned here in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 1. So it's possible that Peter's readers were literal political exiles. Uh, of course, the concept of exiles, though, is, is also an Old Testament concept as well, isn't it? And Peter definitely has this in mind as he writes. Uh, it refers to the exile of the Jews. Around about 700 BC, uh, the Babylonian Empire came and conquered the Jewish people slaughtered most of them, uh, and then the vast majority of those who survived were uh, taken into exile in Babylon and then dispersed through the Babylonian Empire. In fact, even to this day, uh, the Jewish people, they, they, they use the same word that Peter uses here when they're talking about Jews who don't live in Israel. Uh, they're called the diaspora, same word. So Peter's referring to the Old Testament exile here, but again, notice how he puts a twist on the concept. The idea is this. As Christians, our true citizenship is in the kingdom of Jesus. We've been chosen by the Father, as set apart by the Holy Spirit to be Jesus' people, citizens of his kingdom. That's great, but it means this. It means we're a bit like Israel in exile. Their homeland was Palestine, but they were scattered, dispersed throughout the Babylonian Empire. Well, for us, our homeland is heaven and we are scattered and dispersed wherever we are in the world it means that this world is not our home it means if you're a christian here on earth you're a foreigner dispersed through this world away from our native country as we work through the letter of 1 Peter, we'll see that's got all kinds of implications for us. Uh, the sort of implications that we saw at the beginning with my father-in-law father being a foreigner. Uh, being a foreigner, it's going to mean we're going to speak differently. We will speak differently from the citizens of this world. Uh, it means we'll act differently. It means we'll have different priorities from the people around us, different hopes, different dreams. It means we'll stand out as different. And that, is, that means it's going to, it's going to mean suffering. It's going to mean being rejected. Our chosen exiles. Now, the last thing that Peter does in our reading today is to greet his readers. He prays they'll have lots of grace, that is kindness and favour from God, and he prays they'll have lots of peace, peace with God, peace with each other. Of course, both grace and peace come to us through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, don't they? This is a, this is a gospel greeting. The end of verse 2 there. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Okay, we don't seem to have got 
terribly fast, do we? This pace will be in 1 Peter all year. Believe me, we'll speed up. There's just a couple of verses today, but there's, there's plenty here, isn't there? There's plenty here in these first two verses. Uh, this letter is God's word through Peter, Jesus' authorised messenger. It's written to Christians, Christians who are chosen to be God's people, loved by the Father, set apart by the Spirit, Jesus as Saviour and King, uh, Christians who are therefore foreigners in this world, citizens of heaven on earth. All right. Let's, let's spend just a few minutes um, thinking about applying this passage to ourselves. A couple of things to say here. First thing, first thing I reckon it's good for us, I reckon it's good for us to just stop for a minute and reflect on, on what this means. What a privilege to be a Christian. Are you a Christian? Are you relying on the life, death and resurrection of Jesus so that you can be saved from God's judgment? So you can be part of God's kingdom? If so, friend, you have so much to be thankful for. God the Father, the God of the universe, the God who made you, the God who holds every atom of your being in his hands, the God who holds eternity in his hands, he has always loved you. And he will always love you. I have four children. I passionately adore my children. If you want to get on my wrong side, it's very easy. Just hurt or criticise my children. That'll do it every time. If you want to get on my right side, love my children and tell me how great they are. As a father, I love my children. If you are a Christian, God the Father loves you way more than any father ever loved his children. And he has always loved you and he will always love you and he has always wanted, always planned for you to be part of his family with him in heaven forever. Is that not incredibly precious? God is also working in you through his Holy Spirit. Through his Holy Spirit, God has claimed you as his own. It's like he's put his name on you. You've got a name label on. Imagine it is God's name that is on you. He owns you. If you are trusting Jesus, that's because the Holy Spirit has enabled you to trust Jesus. He's taken you from death to life. He is now changing you to be more like Jesus. And he will hold on to you. And he will raise you up at the last day. God hasn't left you to do it on your own. He hasn't left you alone. He is working in you by his spirit and he is bringing you through this foreign world into your homeland. If you're a Christian, Jesus has sealed God's promises to you with his blood. You are his he is yours, your king, your protector, your shepherd. He has committed himself to you in an unbreakable covenant. There is nothing, there is no one in this entire universe that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The covenant is confirmed with the blood of Christ. Friends, if this stuff is true, and I believe it is... It is beautiful news. 
isn't it? It is a magnificent privilege to be a chosen citizen of God's kingdom. Second and final thing to say by way of application is this, and we're going to talk more about this as we work through the letter. Uh, As Christians, as, as citizens of heaven, as people who have such a magnificent privilege, we would be wise not to make ourselves too much at home in this world. Do you get what I mean? We need to embrace our foreignness. Uh, If you were to talk to my father-in-law and if you were to say to him, "Uh, Raffaele, why do you eat Italian food? Why don't you eat pies and chips with the rest of us? I think he would say this, Italian food is better. (laughs) If you were to say to him, Raffaele, why do you follow Serie A? Why do you follow the Italian soccer? He'd go, well, it's the beautiful game. NRL, thugs game. <laughs> AFL, it's dog's breakfast. You can follow it at all. And you want to follow Australian soccer? Australians can't play soccer. Italians are better. If you were to ask him why he saved and bought a house and sent his daughter to university instead of going down to the pub with the Aussies, he'd say something similar. He'd say... My priorities are better. Now, I'm sure my father-in-law didn't like getting called a wog. It would have been very hard to stand out as different. But I'm also sure that deep down, he would much rather be a wog than an ignorant, uncultured Aussie. (laughs) He would say that the ways he is different as a foreigner are better. Friends, it's a privilege to be part of God's chosen people. It will make us different. We will be foreigners here on earth. We might suffer. But friends, the differences are better. Better to live God's way. Better to be his citizen. So friends, don't worry about making yourself too much at home. Don't don't cave in and be like everyone around you. Don't... Join in the spiritual pies and chips of the world. No, no, no. Joyfully embrace your status as God's person and be be boldly, openly different as a chosen foreigner. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you because you, Father, Son and Spirit, have loved us and done what it takes to make us your eternal family. Thank you that you've done this cost of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and we say thank you thank you thank you for making us your people Lord we acknowledge that being your people will make us different here on this earth help us to be boldly and openly different knowing the extraordinary privilege that is ours to be yours and we pray in Jesus name amen